between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of, when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world. Hither came Conan, the Cimmerian, sword in hand. It is I, his chronicler, who knows well his saga. Now let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Welcome to another episode of Hither Came Conan, the podcast with more muscles than Muscly Mike's Muscle Mart in the small town of Muscles, Missouri. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and today we're going to take a look at Conan the Barbarian number 16 from Marvel Comics. This issue sports a cover date of July 1972, but it hit the stands in April. It sold for 20 cents, and it is entitled The Frost Giant's Daughter. Now, There is a backup story in this issue, The Sword and the Sorcerer, which had been originally published in Chamber of the Darkness, issue number four. But since I already talked about that in episode zero, entitled Star the Slayer or Thonagore, which posted on April 28th, 2023, we're just going to talk about the Frost Giant's daughter in this episode. That story was written by Roy Thomas, and it features art by Barry Windsor Smith. Into the boat! Conan, now a member of an Acer war party, is just finishing off a band of Vanir in the snowy plains, but soon stumbles and falls due to his injuries. A beautiful, scantily clad maiden appears to him, and when she tempts him a little too much, he chases her lustily toward the mountains, knowing she might be luring him to an ambush. When her frost giant brothers appear, he swiftly deals with them and continues his chase, finally catching her. She prays to her father, the god Emir, to save her, and she vanishes in a flash of blue light. Conan collapses and is rescued by his Aesir companions, who, while they don't entirely believe his story, are disquieted with the remnants of a dress. Conan holds in his hand. Everybody out! Okay, so this is an adaptation of the Robert E. Howard Conan short story by the same name, and frankly, the synopsis there really does tell you all you need to know about the story, but I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if I just left it at that. First of all, I've already published an episode in which I talked about Robert E. Howard's original The Frost Giant's Daughter story and how the various adaptations compared to it. It was actually the very first episode I published. It's categorized as a bonus episode. It was released on February 17th, 2023, and the episode is simply titled The Frost Giant's Daughter. So I will include a link to the episode in the show notes, but make sure you listen to it if you have not already. Secondly, the version of the story that's in Conan the Barbarian issue number 16 is a reprint of the version that was first published in Savage Tales number 1 from January of 1971, except this version has been colorized and all of the boobies have been covered up because there were a number of boobies in the original version. Boobies? Boobies. 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 (laughs) Sorry, you see what I mean? I just get carried away. I'm really most awfully sorry. Sorry. 
Sorry, everyone. Funny story, actually. Per Barbarian Life, a literary biography of Conan the Barbarian, Volume 1. Roy Thomas submitted the original version of the Frost Giant's Daughter from Savage Tales Number 1 to the Comics Code Authority, knowing that it wouldn't pass. I mean, he, of course, didn't do this back when they were publishing Savage Tales Number 1 because it's a magazine-sized comic book, and it didn't fall under the umbrella of the Comics Code Authority. So he did it here when they were getting issue number 16 ready. And I don't know... I. He doesn't really say it, but he kind of infers that he does it as a joke, of course, knowing that there's no way this is going to pass the Comics Code Authority. And the book, Barbarian Life, actually reprints the Comics Code's response in which they go page by page and panel by panel, pointing out what needs to be fixed. Here, I'll read you just a little bit. Page six, panel four, remove lines above torso drapery and leg line going to crotch. Page six, panel five, caption, eliminate, quote, and she wears not, save a veil of lightest gossamer, end quote. So in this letter, in this response back from the Comics Code Authority, before they start pointing out page by page and panel by panel, what's wrong with the story? We get this bit of preamble telling us why or telling Roy and Marvel Comics why they have to make these changes. And it goes a little something like this. This story violates the code provision, quote, nudity in any form is prohibited, end quote. And also, quote, rape shall never be shown or suggested, end quote. Now, there's a couple reasons I wanted to read that out. First, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, Secondly, I want to point out that it does indicate that this story is depicting the indication that if Conan catches up with Atali, that's the the Frost Giant's daughter. Uh, he is going to rape her. And I talked about this in that very first episode that I made in regard to the Robert E. Howard version and how it's one of the main reasons I really don't care for the story at all. I've never liked it. It's not that great of a story. First of all, it's just Conan chasing a half naked woman across the snow, kills a couple Frost Giants, tries to rape her. She is saved at the last minute by her father, Emir, who is a god. And then Conan wakes up with all his companions around him. And he's like, oh, man, saw me a naked lady out there. But I don't know. It doesn't seem real. And they're like, ha ha, Conan, you got hit in the head. It didn't really happen. Well, what do you what, what do you think of this? And he's got that piece of gossamer veil in his hand. And I've had a lot of people try to defend this story. Well, you know, they will say he was magicked into wanting to rape her. He he didn't really want to. She used her sorcery on him, and therefore he had no choice in the matter. And, you know, the more I think about this argument, the more I feel like that's almost the same as saying, well, she was asking for it. You know, look at at what she's wearing. Look at how she's dressed or not dressed. If you're going to go out like that, and if you're going to get a guy's lust up, if you're going to tease him and not finish the deed, then you deserve it. That's kind of what I feel like people are saying when they make that defense. Not everybody. I think some people, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think folks have given it much thought. They're too busy going, no, 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 no. Conan would not rape somebody. He is a, he's got his own moral code. He's not going to rape a woman. The only reason he chased after her, the only reason he was gonna is because she used her magic on him. 
Conan literally had his will taken away from him. He had literally no choice, which again, you can make the analogy that what we're saying here is that it's the woman's fault. She, you know, she got raped. Ah, It was her fault. She made him do it. She's the one that went out there in the snow all naked and said, hey, big boy, why don't you come up and see me sometime? And despite the fact that once he grabbed a hold of her, she said, wait a minute, no, this is not what I want. Too bad. You started it. He's going to finish it. It's the girl's fault. And that's why I have mega issues with this story and why I've yet to really hear somebody defend this story and accept that defense. The the magic thing just doesn't do it for me because I feel like that's Robert E. Howard saying, look, there are women out there that will use their feminine wiles to get your lust up. And then they'll go, nope, never mind. I know I got you to this point, but now I don't want to do it. But you know what? That's just their magic. And it's not your fault. You don't have any control over yourself at that point. It's her fault. So go ahead, fellas, rape away. That's what I feel like he's trying to say with this story. And again, I've yet to have anybody tell me any differently. So yeah, when it comes to the Frost Giant's daughter, not my favorite. I will be talking about it at least one more time because I've got some bonus episodes that I'm working on that will go up on the Patreon in which I'm going to start looking through the Dark Horse Conan books. And of course, the second issue in, third, if you include the zero issue, is the Frost Giant's Daughter. So I don't know. Maybe I'll skip it. But yeah, the art looks great. The art looks wonderful. And I may actually clip out some screenshots from that comics code response with screenshots of the particular panels that they're talking about from the original black and white version. And then the the issue 16 version where they made the changes. And I might put those up on the website. If I do, there will be a link in the show notes. Sounds like a lot of work though, doesn't it? A lot of work, but I don't want to leave you with just that. So Here's a couple other things I learned about this issue. Since the Savage Tales version, the version that was in Savage Tales issue number one, since it opened with a double page spread, and you can't really do that in one of these comic book issues unless your first page is an ad, Barry Windsor Smith penciled up an all new splash page to open up the story for this comic for issue 16. And then the next two pages were the double page spread. And since that double page spread was already scripted and lettered over a year before issue 16 was put together and put out, and it included the opening lines from the Robert E. Howard version, they left that opening splash page, which is just a long shot of Conan and Heimdall facing each other in the snow-covered field with, you know, warriors, dead warriors all around them. They left that wordless, except for the titles that Barry Windsor Smith drew up. And it's a great page. I quite enjoy the opening to The Frost Giant's Daughter. I really do. As much as I dislike the story, the opening is great. Once you get to Atali, the the half-naked girl in the snow, that's where it all goes downhill for me. But the opening, the it's the end of a big battle. The only two warriors that are left standing are Conan and Heimdall, who is on the other team, and they fight until Conan kills him. But that opening splash page that, again, is new just for 
you know, it was, it was new for this issue number 16. It, this was the first time that splash page appeared. It's the only new thing in the entire issue other than the colors, but it's, it's a great page. I love it. There's not a lot to it. Like I said, it's just a long shot. Conan and Heimdall are really small in the, in, you know, out on the horizon and it's great. It's a great page. And I, I would, I would like to own that as, as much as I dislike the story, I would like to own that page. I think that'd be a great page to own. But one last bit of info before we move on. Roy Thomas actually talked to Barry Windsor Smith and got his blessing before he reprinted the Savage Tales version of the Frost Giant's Daughter in the issue. See, if you remember from last episode, we talked about how Barry Windsor Smith by this point had left the book. The previous issue, issue number 15, was supposed to be kind of his swan song. But they had to figure out what to do quickly for the next issue. They didn't have a lot of time to put the next issue together. This one, issue number 16. And Roy had this idea of reprinting Frost Giant's Daughter. And so he reached out to Barry and said, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing for 16. What do you think? And Barry gave it his blessing. He was really happy. He said, yeah, that's great. Because then all my Conan stuff will be there in that one title. And anyone collecting Conan will have all my Conan stuff. And then they also put the uh, short story that appeared in Chamber of Darkness number four, which was kind of a, it was almost like a Twilight show type of story. It's about an author who wrote books about a Conan type character, and he was sick of writing stories about this character and decided that his next story, he was going to kill the character off. And the character in his own universe feels that this is going to happen and somehow crosses over into the author's universe and kills the author before the author can kill him. It's, it's, a, it's not a bad story, but it's basically a Conan story, except for the barbarian in question in the story is called Star the Slayer. But you can hear that episode where I'm talking about all that in episode number zero. So with all that out of the way, Frost Giant's Daughter, big thumbs down for me, even though the art was beautiful. Let's do some listeners' feedback. All right, I got one bit of feedback this week. It came right at the last minute, and I was really happy to get it because I knew that this episode wasn't going to be that long because I knew I didn't have a lot to say about the Frost Giant's Daughter that I hadn't said already, but it comes by way of email and it comes from a fella by the name of Christopher. Christopher says, Hi, Stephen, and greetings from Sweden. I absolutely love the show and have listened to it on loop since finding it a few weeks ago. My journey with Conan has been quite similar to yours with watching the movies as a kid and having gorgeous books at home that I never read. This makes it all the more exciting to follow his adventures and learning more as you go along. If you are into Hyborian metal, and how could you not be, I want to give a shout out to my friends in Vanquisher, a Swedish metal band fully devoted to Conan and his muscular deeds. Thank you again for the work you put into these episodes and for letting us all tread those jeweled thrones alongside with you. All the love, Christopher. P.S. I cannot resist sending you the 82 Conan intro in Icelandic. I'm half Icelandic and made it some time ago. Perhaps it makes you giggle. Okay, so before I respond to Christopher, let's let's hear this Icelandic version of the intro to the 82 Conan the Barbarian movie.
Milli þess sem höfin drukku allandis og sínir ariasar uxur grasi var einstakt tímabil. Þangað kom konan. Honum var ætlað að bera glæsta kórónu akvilónia að var áhugju fullur á svíp. Ég, skrásetjari hans, reyn til frásagnar um þetta. Ég skal segja ykkur frá ævintýraríkum dögum. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I almost... To be honest, I almost opened the show with that instead of my normal opening, but I didn't know if that would freak some people out. People would stop listening to that. What, what is going on here? What the, What's this kind of language going on here at the beginning? And people might, you know, skip to the next podcast or whatever, but I love it. I think it's great. And uh, I'm glad I now have a copy of it. And I may open up a future episode of Conan with it just for shits and giggles. It would make a good... April Fools episode. I don't know, that's a long ways off. That's that's kind of hard for me to think out that far. Anyway, I love the email Christopher. Thank you so much. I also want to say that Sweden is actually my second largest audience. 60% of my listeners are made up of Americans and then my second are from Sweden. They make up 13% of my listeners. So, go Sweden. There you go. There's a little bit of the Swedish national anthem, which technically isn't their national anthem. I did a little research, and Christopher, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the, the Swedish people do not have an official national anthem. But if they did, the Swedish people would choose the song of which I played a clip from there just a bit ago. Anyway, again, thank you so much for the email, Christopher. And hey, folks. If you got feedback for me, send it to Stephen or else at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about writing it down because it's spelled all weird. S-T-E-V-E-N-O-R-R-E-L-S-E at gmail.com. You can also leave feedback over on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, anywhere I post about the episodes. And hey, while you're out there doing stuff on the World Wide Web, I need y'all to do me a favor. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate the show. The more ratings I have, the easier it is for others to find us. We're still at nine ratings over there on Apple Podcasts with 4.4 stars, and the goal is to get to 15 by the end of the year. And I I really do think that we can do it. Now, one of my listeners, Mr. Ed Moore, also the co-host of the currently on hiatus Superman Super Show, He sent me information in regard to Spotify. We talked about Spotify last week, how actually more of the, my my biggest audience listens to the show on YouTube. So please like those episodes as you're listening to them. I like this episode. My second biggest audience listens to the show on Spotify, and I could not figure out how to leave a rating on Spotify. If you are unsure how to do that, Ed sent me a great article that, goes through it bit by bit, tells you exactly how to do it. I will link that 
in the show notes. So look for that. That way, if you are a Spotify listener, you can rate the show there as well. But that's it. That's all I got for you, folks. Next week, we should be talking about Conan the Barbarian, issue number four from Titan Comics. I believe it comes out next week. If not, then we'll be talking about Conan the Barbarian, number 17, published in May of 1972 from Marvel Comics. And yeah, that's what you can look forward to. Until then, folks, keep your swords close by and never stop treading them jeweled thrones. Bye. Hither Came Conan is a Stephen or Else production. Find more podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to stephenorelse at gmail.com. Find me online at Twitter, Spoutable, and Instagram by searching for at stephenorelse. And join my newsletter, Stephen Says Stuff, at list.justanotherfanboy.com. This is a free substack where I will send every single podcast episode I host right to your inbox the morning that they are released. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to give you and your fellow patrons podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate this show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Did Conan fight? Honor and fear were heaped upon his name. In time, he became a king by his own hand. This story shall also be told. Conan, now a member of an icier party. Blah, 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 fart, 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 acer. Conan, now a member of an acer war party, is just finishing off a. Ba- 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 it rhymes with clucking bell. That's from a, a Blackadder episode. Conan, now a member of an Icer war party, is just finishing off a band of Vanir in the snowy plains. Vanir. Acer. Vanir. Acer. Vanir. Acer. Vanir. I just don't think I can move through life knowing that a guy named Steven did this to me. Enough talk! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.